Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 54. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what you need to know about the mother of all emergencies in dogs called bloat. What to do about noise anxiety, especially in light of all the holidays that were happening in Canada Day here in Canada, uh, July 4th, Independence Day here in the United States, plus a new and very effective topical skin remedy for infections, anal gland abscesses, and allergies. Veterinary Secrets is now on iTunes and Stitcher. I would sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. And lastly, if you've got to do so, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book and my three free videos. It's at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Blow. What are the signs? Your pet's stomach is swollen with air and fluid. You will see the belly expanded and feel firm like a balloon. Your dog is in pain, drooling, often trying to vomit. As the bloat continues, you're going to see signs of shock. The distended stomach loses its blood supply and causes a loss of blood flow to the rest of the vital abdominal organs. What are the causes? Bloat is most often seen in deep-chested dogs such as Great Danes and German Shepherds. The stomach distends in response to digesting food and gas production. Some dogs produce more gas and are more prone to bloat. The other thought too is we know there's also a genetic component and that's part of why I'm doing today's podcast. There's new research on we're trying to identify the genes that make these certain dogs prone to bloat. Following the gas distension, the stomach can twist called a torsion and then build up pressure which can't escape. This compresses a large vein called the caudal vena cava cutting off blood supply to the rest of the abdominal organs. So what are the solutions? Well, the first thing is calling your veterinarian as soon as possible. I mean, if you suspect bloat, you should be calling your veterinarian as soon as you can. Your dog can die from bloat in as little as 15 minutes following a torsion. Secondary, consider treating for shock. Your dog is gonna have pale gums, be very weak and woozy. Typically, just look up at this gums. Try to check the capillary refill time. That's where you put your finger on top of the gums measure how quickly the color returns to normal. It's going to be less than four seconds. When you see this, you want to be transporting your dog to the emergency veterinarian as soon as possible. You can wrap him or her in a blanket to keep him warm. You can put a few few drops of honey or something else sweet like a corn syrup on top of a gums. Uh, this may help you know, keeping your dog conscious while you're transporting him. Secondarily, consider an over-the-counter gas-reducing medication. In the early stages of bloat, the stomach is distended and maybe your dog is yet to belch. This means the stomach has yet to be twisted. You can use some type of product that contains antacids and simethicone. It's a foaming agent that pulls gas bubbles together. It may help. You can safely give your dog a liquid antacid. Mylanta is very effective. The dose is one tablespoon per 10 pounds. So your 80-pound lab would need about eight tablespoons. Or you can give the tablet form, a half per 10 pounds. The stomach swelling should start to decrease in 15 minutes. If the swelling doesn't stop and it doesn't start to drop, contact your veterinarian as soon as possible. Consider walking. Just gentle exercise can help move distended fluid and gas through your dog's system. Now, I often find this helps my own dogs after they've gone through eating something, you know, such as the neighbor's compost. Just walking around is going to help sort of moving that fluid, that contents in the stomach helping pass that gas so it doesn't just stand and turn into bloat in the first place passing a stomach tube you know this is reserved specifically for dog owners who have a dog prone to bloat and especially if you're a long way from a veterinary clinic in an emergency you know i would put a roll of tape in my dog's mouth and i would pass a semi-rigid tube such as a watering hose this tube can be pre-measured to the length of the last rib it should easily pass into the stomach with well 
it's gonna pass in the stomach with moderate pressure. And as soon as that happens, you're gonna see a large release of gas. After this, get to your emergency veterinarian as soon as possible. Activated charcoal. This is a key component for treating toxins and will also help decrease gas production. The dose is 100 milligrams or one half a tablet for 10 pounds of body weight. I've used Nature's Way Activated Charcoal. Digestive enzymes. For chronic gas production, they may help your pet digest food easier with this, you know, this supplemental digestive enzymes. Pancrease is very effective. The dose is a half a teaspoon per 10 pounds daily. Consider some effective acid reduction. Fomodidine, it's an over-the-counter pill sold under the brand name Pepsid. It's very safe for our dogs. The dose is five milligrams or half a tablet for 10 pounds twice daily for one to two days. It's also very helpful for vomiting from drug reactions and stomach irritation, which can happen in kidney disease. You can consider acupressure. There's a point called ST36. It's found on the outside of the hind leg, below the knee, and a depression at the front of the leg. You can hold it for 60 seconds and repeat it every five minutes. There's a couple things you consider for herbal colic relief. One part fennel, one part chamomile, the dose is one mil per 20 pounds twice daily. There's a few different homeopathics. One is Nux Vomica. It's good for the entire digestive tract. It can help prevent gas reduction in the buildup. The dose is two 30C tablets every eight hours. And this is immediate, you know, short term. And even following, you know, even a, a semi-bloat episode, it hasn't gone to surgery for three to five days. Arsenicum is sort of the major remedy for garbage gut and food poisoning. You know, one 30C tablet, you know, per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight, you know, every one to two hours. As soon as you're seeing it, you start to see a sign of bloat, start with that. A couple things you can think about as far as prevention and sort of what I would discuss in veterinary practice. First, you want to feed frequent small amounts of food, not one large meal. In some cases, I found that adding a small amount of water to the dry food could help your dog digest it a little bit better, decrease the risk of swelling. Personally, I would encourage you just to feed less kibble, period. No question. Anytime I would see a dog that would come in and bloat on emergency, nine times out of ten, also they had all this kibble in their stomach. So that kibble is really gas producing. Um, especially I was finding it with, with this high carb content and other questionable ingredients mixed in there to form that kibble in the first place. So ideally, even just feeding less kibble, you're gonna have less gas production, and other less things that might produce gas. You know, some of the you know plant products. You know, some some people like to add other healthy things like kale, but it may be producing more gas. And lastly, just regular exercise. You know, exercise your dog regularly, you know, and don't do it immediately after eating. At least one, allow one hour before vigorous exercise, before and after you know feeding your dog. You don't want to do feed and then run them, or to run them and then feed them. Give them that period of time or transition. Now let's get on to the second part of today's podcast, noise anxiety. You know, especially in all these holidays that we're having and um, all these fireworks and sure enough, I get all these different um, pet owners sending me in questions. You know, what can I do for all this anxiety? I've been an anxious little dog. She shakes and trembles at loud noises. So what are some of the signs? I mean, you guys all know it. Your pet's changing their personality in response to noise, especially things like thunderstorms, fireworks. You know, with my little dog, Tula, she's shaking and trembling, hiding in, uh, underneath a chair. She'll actually go up to a separate room. And many of you are going to have the exact same experience. But what are the causes? I mean, our dogs have especially sensitive hearing so much more than we do. Um, veterinarians have estimated that your dog can hear 10 times better than us. You know, just a loud crack of thunder is terrifying to many dogs. In, ca- in some cases, the loud noise has been associated with an unpleasant experience. So what are the solutions? You know, for long-term success, effort must be put into training your dog to be less anxious 
in addition to anti-anxiety supplements. We want to positively reinforce them when they hear a bit of noise and they don't shake and tremble. So the next time there's just a slight reaction, you know, just like gently say something calming, like give your dog a quick scratch and then go about your normal household routine. If you act calm, your pet may act calm. Because we're going to encourage them, there is a loud noise and they don't get all anxious, then positively reinforce that. Maybe I should be then giving little Tula a treat, not sort of, oh, it's okay, little Tula, I'm not soothing her. Because, you know, she's getting conditioned to think like, okay, it's okay to be anxious. Some people consider counter conditioning, so the next time your dog begins to act nervous, just distract him or her with his favorite squeaky toy or tasty treat. You're kind of like, oh, get them to think otherwise. You're teaching your dog to associate noise with a positive experience. When your pet is less nervous, give lots of praise, the next storm could be far more pleasant. And I need to take my own advice there and do the same things. Like, give her something she does. She loves to chase, um, run around the house, just, you know, um, shaking her chew toy, and I should be doing that too. A couple different simple home remedies to consider. One is tryptophan. It's an amino acid found in things such as milk, and it does itself help the brain to relax. Unfortunately, if you're going to give a high dose of tryptophan or even in the form of like a real, you know, even like a cream so dogs can get diarrhea. So just be begin with a small amount, say a quarter of a cup at first. You can increase it to half a cup of milk. And that's why it works with people because of the tryptophan concentration. Um, a home of their own. Some Many dogs seem to be less fearful in a small confined space such as a crate. And for sure, I've found that for many, 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 many dogs, especially if they've got a positive association for a crate. It acts like a den in nature, making them feel safer and much more protected. It doesn't work for all dogs, but you, in some cases, they get in there and they get so anxious, they try to crawl, claw, claw their way out. So you need to, need to know your own dog, and you need to know that they're comfortable in a crate at first. The sounds of music, sometimes music or tunes can drown out the impending noise. You can screen out some of those loud sounds, lower an anxieties level. So just consider getting music on, especially if you know the fireworks are coming. Flower essences, Bach, res Bach Rescue Remedy is a good one to consider. It's a very safe alternative that may help calm your anxious pet. You can play four drops in your pet's gums, you know, just say prior to leaving your house if it's separation anxiety or knowing that the fireworks are coming. Green tea amino acid, so L-theanine. Yeah, and I've had some really good success with it, with, with some of my own experience in veterinary practice and with many of you guys, you know, telling me via the podcast, uh, via YouTube. The studies have shown that L-theanine, it produces tranquilizing effects in the brain without drowsiness. And helps calm sort of this brain activity, especially the ones that increase in response to anxiety. So by di diminishing feelings of stress, worry, and anxiety, L-theanine can also help improve just mental focus, learning, concentration. The dose is 50 milligrams per 20 pounds daily, and it can be given quite frequently every two to four hours during a stressful event. There's a type of T-touch, a therapeutic touch called Tellington T-touch. It's helped many pets with noise anxiety. The most effective is the base of the ear, around the ear. You can gently hold your thumb, your forefinger together, make these cir circular motions all along the sort of the ear tips themselves. You'd be surprising. I, I definitely find with a little toolish, it really responds to it. It's a real good one to consider. It's just so easy. Another one that's a specific acupressure point, I think is easiest to, to describe via the podcast. It's called the ying tang. So it's at the base of the nose, right sort of just below uh, between the eyes. You just want to put your index finger, finger middle finger right there and just hold it for 30 to 60 seconds. Do it during a stressful event. And I find my last dog, Lewis, really responded well to that. A couple of different other herbal products I haven't mentioned. One is valerian, and definitely it's a bit of a sedative. And I do find it, of all, of all the different herbal ones I've used, it seemed to be most effective. It acts on the neuroreceptors in the brain. It can decrease anxiety in your dog. 
and you can use it short term. The dose is 50 milligrams per pound of dried herb and are typically you're looking about a half a mil of the dropper full per sort of 10 to 20 pounds of body weight. And you can do that, give that right away. Often found within an hour, their like anxiety levels drop. And it works. I have used that on Tula Hat, found it has worked well. Cava Cava, it's been used quite a lot in in, veter- in human practice, not so much in veterinary practice. Kind of got a, sort of a bad rap in terms it was used quite widely, especially throughout Europe. Some people responded had liver disease. Generally, what they're finding though, those are long-term use. It wasn't sort of a one-time short-term use, but it's been shown to be quite an effective sort of anti-anxiety herbal supplement. So it's a real good one to consider, especially short-term. Um, we're looking at dro- doses of the dried herb, which is the safest, is 10 milligram per pound of body weight given twice daily. And if you're going to use the tincture, they say the big thing is just using not the alcohol-based tincture, but say glycerin-based, someone that's not alcohol-based. Similar doses, about a half a mil of the tincture per 20 pounds of body weight, be given quite you know frequently during an anx- anxious period of time, such as noise anxieties, or every two hours. Um, a couple other ones, a skull cap. It's often used in combination. I've seen valerian skullcap passion flower. The skullcap dose, similar, about a half a mil of the tincture, 20 pounds of body weight. Passion flower, another one, similar dose, about a half a mil of the tincture, 20 pounds of body weight. And I've seen all three of those in combination. Lastly, well, actually, two more things I need to mention. One, there's some soothing supplements. Then there's one uh, popular veterinary one. It was called Compat. Contained melatonin, cava cava, St. John's wort, valerian, and chamomile. You can use that as directed um, on the label. A couple different homeopathics people consider. One is aconite um, for very fearful, restless animals. The dose is 130C capsule for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight every two hours. And lastly, I've had some really good reviews coming from Thundershirt. In essence, you're thinking of, it's kind of like how you used to sort of swaddle a baby and wrap them tight with a blanket. And for whatever reason, I think maybe it's touching on certain key acupressure points. Definitely via touch and via how it's working, it really does seem to lower anxiety levels. So dogs with separation anxiety respond really well to it, um, as to many dogs with noise anxiety. And I'll put a link to Thundershirt and some of the specifics of it. Um, under the the show note description. Lastly, I just want to mention one specific new topical skin remedy I've been using, um, sort of experimenting with for some different things, got some really good results, some good feedback with. And in particular, so the base of what we're using, you can use it for things, you know, primarily such as surface infections, they're not healing. Um, I've had some really good reports we're working really well for anal gland infections and abscesses, allergic areas where they can get secondary infected with staph bacteria skin infection. So what we're using here, we're using a, a base of coconut oil. So you're going to use two tablespoons of coconut oil, combine that with one teaspoon of honey, and 10 drops of lavender essential oil. You can mix that up, and I just got you know a number of different containers. I get a glass container from the co-op. Mix that up really well, so the honey immerses really well into that coconut oil. You add in the lavender. I spent about a minute mixing it up really well, and then you're applying that topically two to three times a day to that affected area. The big thing I like about it is the coconut oil is antibacterial, um, it's antifungal, also, it can help to really sort of rehydrate the skin. The honey is wonderful antibacterial. The lavender is antibacterial, antifungal. So it's also going to be an effective thing for these skin infections. For animals that even have some of the fungal infections, say we're wondering about a fungal infection on the, the nail bed, 
Remember, we're trying to deal with a cat that's got a, say, a cat that's got a secondary fungal infection. He's got ringworm. This would be a real good option to consider the coconut oil, the honey, the lavender. And if you go, you guys do try it, so it's inexpensive to make, you're not going to find a similar veterinary product. As I said, I've got some great, great feedback from it. But if you do try it, you really find it helps your dog and or your cat super safe, then, you know, give me some, uh, give me some feedback. It's one I would be a bit more cautious on cats if you're going to put it in an area where they can lick it a lot because you've got the essential oil in there. But all of the di different essential oils that we use, I actually find lavender essential oil is one of the safer ones. Regardless, we don't want your, especially small dogs and especially cats, ingesting any any degree of essential oil. So it's say on the paw, I'd be cautious. But if it's on the side of the face and side of the neck, then I would definitely be using it on my cat as well. Well, thanks, you guys. This comes the end of today's podcast. I hope you found it helpful. Definitely, you know, give me your feedback, questions, suggestions, comments. The best way, way to reach me is via, via email. It's podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. If you've yet to do so, I encourage you to subscribe. You can do that on, on Stitcher, on iTunes. And lastly, just thanks for listening. And I appreciate you guys for being listeners. This is Dr. Jones.